gentlemen, we're here off the back of one of the biggest trades, I think, of our lifetime. And who else to talk about this trade because it involves the Florida Panthers and our friend from Five Reason Sports, Baumgartner, because we've got two Alex's here. We're going to make it simple. Bomber, how are you? Um, I'm doing better than I was two days ago when the trade broke in the middle of my nap at 11.15 p.m. And my whole, my whole phone blew up from yours truly as well, Adam. Holy F was the first tweet that I saw or text message I saw on my phone. So, yeah. It was the same thing I tweeted, to be fair. Uh, it was oh, so, and I guess there's no other way to open the show, uh, to be honest. Uh, Kachuk has been traded, and it's to the floor of the Panthers. He immediately signs an eight-year extension. Um, and going the other way. Apparently, it was a sign-in no, trade. It was a sign-in so, trade. Yeah, That's so how he got the First ever sign-in trade in NHL history. Oh, that was you always hear about it, but I guess like I thought for a second, like, wait, Kyle Tersh, but no, because he signed that with Nashville. So yeah, the first ever sign in trade, which kind of blew my mind. But and as Alex anyway. just said, that's how he got the eight-year deal. Completely yeah. slipped my mind through the whole mist of it, but it makes mm-hmm. a lot more sense because yeah, because he because he filed for arbitration, the flood the flames or whatever it was. So mm-hmm. that's why they couldn't trade him. As the RFA, he needed a contract first, at least to my understanding. Because with Kyle Turris, did they not wait until like the way I understand it is you have to be on the team's reserve list um, by the trade deadline to sign that eighth year. And I think when Kyle Turris signed the eighth year, I believe it was past the past the trade deadline, I think. Was, was I mean, Turris like full sign. I remember, was Turris full eight years? I remember that was yeah. Eric Carls. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, The full trade, the Panthers get Matthew Kachuk, given the extension. Uh, a conditional fourth round pick in 25, whatever, who cares? Going the other way, a conditional first round pick in 2025. The Panthers are allergic to it when they don't care about the first round. Um, Cole Schmidt, I doubt I said that right. Schmidt, um, Steelheads alum. Uh, and then the two big pieces, Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Hubert. Uh, I believe, Alex, the leading scorer actually in Panthers history is in Jonathan Hubert. Um, both of which, by the way, Weger and Hubert are UFAs next summer. Um, but I think to, to open up here, Alex, or Bomber, sorry, uh, when you first sort of woke up and you saw the trade, what was your reaction? I said, I need to go back to bed because I'm seeing things right now. <laughs> that was my first reaction. Um, Wild dream. It took, it took me like five minutes to kind of fully grasp what just happened. Everyone said I got text messages from so many people, Instagram messages. So like within that 10 minutes, everyone knew but me. I'm the only person in the world I didn't know about that trade to happen. I read it. I checked Cerevelli's Twitter to make sure I didn't get duped by a fake account. I made sure that was a check mark and not a seven, as you know, people on Twitter like to do. And then I said, whoa. Call me on Twitter. You would have seen like six days, but three days before when that reported list of teams he would want to be traded to came out. No state tax and pretty much all of them. Um, I said, if a team has the assets and can afford the future contract, you do it. I made that tweet because, first of all, I didn't think the Panthers had the were willing to give up the assets. I knew they had them. And for some reason, I just didn't see a situation where Huberto would get traded, which is why I kind of like alluded to them not being able to afford that contract in the tweet. It was a generalized tweet. But 
Huberto, Uyghur, they're gone. As you said, expiring contracts after one season. Huberto would have got about $10 million if he signed an extension in Florida. 9.5 to 10 would have been around the number. He, him and Kachuk, they cancel out. What happens is you're going to save money next offseason because you're not going to have to sign Uyghur to around a 6 to $7 million deal per year. Mm-hmm. So that was my initial reaction. I was just thinking in cap terms and future flexibility. Then I got to the player and I said, holy, they got a six foot two, hundred point, 24 year old power forward. And they locked him up. Mm-hmm. And then I said, this is a good trade in terms of extending the Panthers cup contention window. That was my initial reaction. Mm-hmm. Okay, so question, because I've been thinking about this um, since the trade happened and and you kind of brought it up to how much. So, yes, signing Kachuk for eight years extends the Panthers cup contention window, but does it make them a better team? Does it make Florida a better team, essentially replacing Kachuk or replacing Huberto with Kachuk? Does it make it a bet make them a better team? Sorry. Or are they still around the same area as they were last year? I don't think the Panthers drastically improved on paper mm-hmm. the trade because no matter what you want to say about Mackenzie Weger, because the fan base had mixed reactions to his play the last two years, he's a good defenseman. It's just he got thrown into situations in the last two years with the injury to the number one guy on the team, one of the best defensemen in the league and Aaron Eckblad back-to-back years. And he had to try and handle something that isn't necessarily his role. It's not necessarily the player he was. Mackenzie Weger went from being a seventh round pick to a guy getting Norris trophy votes. He's a top four kind of guy. Realistically, if we want to say top three, he's a top three on a lot of teams. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's a number one guy. And he might be a fringe two for me. He's like a two to three between him and Gustav Forzing on my depth analysis chart. We, I remember around the draft, there was obviously once Ottawa were, we were making a lot of moves, people were talking about they needed defense and then people were randomly throwing Mackenzie Weger's name around. And I was thinking at the time, don't the Panthers really want to get this done? Uh, obviously, there was talk about Huberto's camp was expecting a contract or at least the start of the discussions. Um, but Uyghur, what was going on exactly there? Was there any whispers about discussions with him? I believe you either asked about Huberto or Uyghur directly to Zito. But I asked him Uyghur, about both. Okay, so what exactly did he say? Because I'm not so much surprised about Uyghur looking at everything. Huberto is a different story. But what was going on around Uyghur's camp in the Panthers? So the Bill Zito talked to pretty Bill Zito said he spoke to every single um, pending free agent for the Panthers agents. And he said that at the draft before the, the obviously the free agency started. So he spoke to Giroux, Sherratt, Huberto, Uyghurs agents, everyone. At least that's what Zito said twice. Um these were informal talks. Now, my friend David Dork, who is Panthers beat reporter for Channel 10, is the one that reported saying there was some early informal extension talks, which would be kind of reaching out. But Huberto's camp never got an offer. Mm-hmm. And when I 
when we asked Zito in the press conference, you know, what's kind of like the update on these two contracts? Is there going to be an extension soon? Um, are we going to see something throughout the season? I didn't ask him about any trade talks with Uyghur because even though there was reports that Uyghur was getting looks at from teams like Ottawa, um, I kind of wanted to see, you know, if they were getting anything done on the extension front. Um, Zito said that they were in a process and he didn't say they were in a process of signing them. What he said is, um, I don't want to misquote him, but he said they started the process, whether that was whatever it means, um, that the process could have been, you know, maybe looking elsewhere. But there, there was a process, Zito said they started, and that process turned into, you know, getting Matthew Kachuk. So whatever the process was, um, Huberto never got the offer, and um, now he's in Calgary. And I don't, I don't think, um, I doubt Uyghur got a, I don't know if Uyghur got an offer either, but um, yeah. You know, I, I just love sort of looking at this deal because it feels like the closest we get to an NBA type deal in the NHL. I said this is probably the biggest trade that we've had in the NHL, maybe in all of our lifetimes. It's the biggest in the salary cap era, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, when's the last time 200 point forwards were exchanged? Who was even the last 100 point guy to be dealt like single, even? I can't even think of it. Well, not 100-point guy, but in terms of stature, I'd argue Eric Carlson. Uh, Yeah, maybe. Uh, Marty St. Louis? No? That was uh, close to 100. um, Yeah, but... uh, The thing with Carlson was um, there was... Like, the whole Ottawa thing, we're kind of like, all right, he's probably... Like, there was a lot going on around that team at that time. He kind of saw it coming. There was lots of just discussion True. regarding Carlson, and this came out of nowhere. And the package isn't prospects loaded. It's you know you're getting two all star caliber guys for another all star caliber guy. So I think that's just the shocking bit of this. This I think this trade is is topping the Weber Subban one. Mm-hmm. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know even Subban had the same thing as Eric Carlson where. We knew it was coming. It, when Mark Bergevin uh, said we're not, shopping, we're not shopping P.K. Subban, that's when you knew the trade was going to happen. Exactly, exactly. You can even stretch it to that famous L.A. Kings game, that famous turnover where Michelle Terry and called him out afterwards. That was, I think people can look at the beginning of the end. Um, Alex Bomber, i got to stop doing that. Um, I look at the floor of the Panthers right now, and the first thing people will mention is 2023, the first round pick is in Montreal. 2024, I believe, is the Claude Giroux. And then 2025 is obviously Mr. Kachuk. Uh, How much does this speak to win now and the belief to sort of Zito's vision here? How important is it to win now, given all of the draft capital the Panthers have given up here? Um, So if we look at the Panthers' draft history – their first round picks after Ekblad up until Spencer Knight didn't pan out to be anything. We're going to go Henrik Borkstrom, multiple times traded. <clears throat> Lawson Krause, traded. He's in Arizona, I think. Um, Owen Tippett, traded to Philly. Um, Denisenko, still within the organization 
first round pick 2018 hasn't consistently, hasn't even technically played a rookie season yet in the NHL. Then you got Spencer Knight, Anton Lundell. So there's that with the drafting they've done after Aaron Ekblad. Now let's look at the roster of the core players. Barkov, 26. Reinhardt, 26. Bennett, 26. Verhage, 26. Duclair, 26. Ekblad, 26. Forsling, 26. Kachuk, 24. Knight, 21. Lundell, 20. Bobrovsky, 33. Uyghur and Huberto, Bar Bobrovsky, would have been the two oldest guys on the team by three years. Um, if you had a bunch of 29, 30-year-olds and now we're trading all these draft picks, I would be like, ooh, you know, might want to be careful. 26 to 29, you know, those guys are going to be competing. That That's an extended window in my opinion. So I'm not relatively too scared about losing the draft picks because ask Tampa how they feel about trading first-round picks for Biker, Goudreau, and Coleman, guys like that, when they hadn't won the cup yet. Yeah, but they also – they there was a reliance on everything – on rounds two to seven like so anthony sorelli Braden point not first round picks right so like the question i guess to add on to adams is do you trust florida's scouting and develop or drafting and developing of talent outside of the first round i think florida has done a better job finding guys out of the first round Mm -hmm. um we talk about schwint who just got traded i was kind of a lot of guys within the Panthers organization were kind of watching Cole Schwint relatively hoping other NHL teams didn't notice him right away. Um, 81st overall pick in 2019, the 21 year old, he had a really good season last year um, in the AHL 72 games, 40 points with the Charlotte checkers. He was one of my top three prospects in the prospect pool. Um, I had Justin Sordiff up there. Sordiff was also not a first round pick. So I've liked what some of these later round picks have done within the organization um, compared to maybe some of the first round picks. Like I said, Dennis, Dennis Senko hasn't really sniffed the lineup where if Schwint was still on the team, I would think Schwint gets the look over him. And I think, um, you know, Hepo Niemi's gotten a lot more looks than him as well. And even when Tippett was there, they were kind of, you know, rotating between Lester Ryan and Hepo Niemi until Lester Ryan kind of solidified his role on the team. So I'm not too scared about what these for a uh, loss of first round picks. I think they've done a better job finding guys in the later rounds. I have another follow-up question for that, Alex or yeah. Bob Gardner. Um, so when we talk about drafting, we also look at for Florida, these quote unquote reclamation prizes or these guys that are playing above their salary. Um, how confident are you right now with Billy Zito still making those types of moves of finding another Verhage, another Duclair, another Wenberg, et cetera? Well, they, they were very capped, you know, struck at the, at the, uh, the free agency. They, they obviously couldn't retain anyone. Um, they, they re-signed Lister Einan. They brought back Lucas Carlson on a two-way deal. What they did instead is they go for a bunch of guys who were kind of under the radar uh, Colin White's probably the one that sticks out the most to me. I think it was a 1.2 AAV. He looked, he sounded really excited. I know Adam wanted him in Montreal. He was really excited to come to Florida. He said it was a dream come true. Now, I don't know exactly where the dream come true, whether it's playing in Florida, if it's playing on a stack team, or maybe just getting a new environment. But I think that's one of the guys that could be 
one of those, like, you know, if we miss, we miss. If we swing, I look amazing because they did it with Verhage. You know, big, uh, I know you're all big fans of Verhage on the show. No, you, just uh, you've done it with Duclair. <laughs> you, you've relatively brought Bennett back to where he should be. Um, Sam Reinhardt had the best season of his career last year. And then Ryan Lomberg goes from an ECHL player slash AHL player to um, a fan favorite in Florida and a guy that they were kind of looking for. So you swung a lot more or you've hit a lot more out of the park, low budget signings than they have done, um, you know, in years past with other regimes. So I'm fairly happy with what they've done so far this off season and just getting, you know, guys that might help the team out on low contracts. Mm-hmm. We could even add Gustav Forsling as well. Have you you've yeah, talked about was, him a lot? That was a waiver pickup. Um, yeah. And he's probably I, I just, the best oh, defenseman on that team. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just, I just wanted to go back to the trade for a second. Cause you know, we talked about Huberdo leaving and then essentially you have Matthew <laughs> Kachuk essentially as his replacement in a way. Right probably will replace him on uh, wherever Huberto is playing. But to me, the interesting one is Mackenzie Weger. And who's going to replace Mackenzie Weger? I, I would so, guess is the question. So here's the thing with Weger. I don't, I think if Huberto got offered the contract, he would have stayed. And that's kind of what the reporter is saying. He wanted to stay and they were kind of upset that they didn't get the offer. Weger. Obviously, he would have wanted to stay in Florida, too. But as we talked about the cap issues, um, if, say, you sign Uyghur for six and then Huberto for 9.5, 9.5, 10, right? He's not getting more than Barkov. But say, let's just say it's 10 to keep the math simple. That's $16 million invested in two 30-year-olds in that contract year. Um, Florida wasn't going to be able to retain them both. It, it, it's almost impossible. You're so high up at the cap and then you would still have three years of Bobrovsky once those deals kick in. They would have been so limited. And I think this offseason was a huge reason of just seeing what they couldn't do in free agency. They're like, we don't want to be cap struck like that. We don't want to be using $1 million for the next three, four years um, to try and make moves. So I don't think that um, – I think Florida was planning on not retaining both of them, and now they capitalize on that. But don't they still have to replace them this yeah. year, though? Right? Like, well, that, is that, that you think that's going to be internal? Because like the cap space isn't necessarily there yeah. for an outside move. So that's the problem. Um, I don't think there's anyone within their prospect pool that's ready to jump up. Um, I think Forsling was my number two guy, anyways, and then it was like a you know a two A two B kind of thing with Weir and Forsling. But, I mean, they signed – Mark Stahl is not going to do what Weger was able to do. Um, they, they signed more depth defensemen. Now, I, I don't think they're going to be able to find anyone anytime soon. Um, maybe at the deadline something comes up and then you trade another you, – you still have some of your top prospects, but now you're really deep jumping into the prospect pool and trying to trade guys. Um, Florida's top prospects, none of them are D. And at the draft – they spent their two first picks on defensemen just to try and build that pool up a little bit. Hopefully you hit something, but within the organization, um, I don't think there's anyone that can really jump up right away. I mean, there is a certain, uh, if you wanted to get a cheap sort of bet and the guy would probably love playing in Florida. 
there's a certain guy on the market right now, certain energetic Mr. P.K. Subban. I don't know. Uh, I, I brought Subban up. Um, Florida needs more of a shutdown guy. Uh, come on, have some fun. Uh, uh, Subban used to train in Florida for years when I played there. His coach used to coach within the organization of the youth teams as well. Subban loves Florida. If they offered him a contract, I'd be very surprised if he didn't accept it. I would love to see where he's going to end up. And later in the show, we're going to look at who's still out there. Um, by the way, I love looking at cap friendly certain teams and you, you see certain either buyouts or dead caps like Scott Darling. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, breaking news for your show. The Panthers will be holding their introductory press conference tomorrow with Bill Zito and Matthew Kachuk at noon. There you go. Okay. There we go. Um, this is going to be the last one for me because Alex, that's a, that's a, he got the Uyghur question I was going to ask. Um where exactly in the lineup is it with Barkov? Is it in the second line? Maybe with Barkov. Where? Okay. There, yeah. Kachuk and Barkov. All right. All right. Then Barkov, Barkov hasn't had a winger that good. I mean, yeah, he played with Yager, but it wasn't prime Yager. <laughs> the, the, the whole question in Florida for year for the last two years is, all right, Verhage's that guy, but who's the other winger, like, like the guy that's going to play with Barkov? Because Huberto and Barkov, yeah, they work together well in spurts, but they like their top six more top six more balance. Mm-hmm. But the, the player that Kachuk is, where it's a power forward who can drive the offense and will score, needs to be with Barkov, at least to start the season. He really needs to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, last one for me, and it's gonna re- you can give a really quick answer on it. Um, Paul Maurice or Andrew Burnett? Okay, so here's the thing with that. I liked Andrew Burnett, and I thought, um, you know, the fact that it was his first year as a coach, and he took over in a very, you know, weird time in the organization where you're undefeated and then your coach leaves. Um, Obviously, the right decision, by the way. Um, He did a great job weathering the storm, and I saw during that first round, I called – I called it out a couple of times. I said, look, you got to make the adjustments. They're going to lose this series because they got outplayed by Washington that whole series. And I said, if Brunette doesn't make these adjustments this game, they're going to lose. And even though the star players really didn't step up, Brunette made the adjustments I wanted. I called out for certain things for certain players. It didn't really happen. But Brunette, he kind of changed the changed his game plan, games four, games five. Um with that being said, defense and experience seemed to be the issue for the Panthers in that playoff series last year. They had a far superior team than they did the previous year. And the previous year, with shaky goal, extremely shaky goaltending, no Aaron Ekblad, and not as good of a team, they, they took Tampa to six games, close games. Um, they got swept in the second round. I think that was the big thing. Paul Maurice is going to probably keep the offense high-flying because – you already had two coaches and the offense was high flying last year. So I don't see why that would change, but he's going to have more of a defensive minded approach to the team because the Panthers in the regular season, if you watch, they were, they were losing a lot. They had the most comeback wins. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. they, they were playing lots of games where it was like five, four, six, five. It's not sustainable for playoff hockey. It's funny that, uh, that I remember the ones, especially against New Jersey and that's where Andrew Brennan actually ended up. Yeah. You, you know, as good as, as fun as it is to see a team, you know, score five goals in a period, you, you, you can't, you can't win hockey like that. So I think for, for a win now team, win in the next three years team kind of vibe, I think Paul Maurice is a, is a very good choice to kind of, 
you know, this is probably the best team Maurice has had. So I think it's a very, um, it's a very good choice with the options they had available. Uh, here's my last one. So we talked a lot about the cap. We talked a lot about the business side of things, but I guess Bob Gardner, in your opinion, in the opinion of the overall Florida fandom right now, was it like to see both Huberto and Uyghur go as two guys that, you know, they were there during the dark times and now they were there for at least like the opening of this contending window. Um, can you repeat the first part of that question, please? I heard the whole dark part and the weird. Oh, yeah, yeah. No problem. Um, basically, we talked a lot about the cap, about the business side of the trade. But what is it like for, I guess, your own fandom, the Florida fandom, to see those two guys go? And they yeah, were the yeah. ones that were here for, you know, the dark times. Huberto specifically, just the fact that he, he Uyghur took a couple more years and he was still there through a lot of it. But, um, you know, Huberto was a third overall pick. He was really the best guy they had drafted in a very, very long time, if not ever. Um, you know, I was there at his first career game. You know, my favorite player was Alexi Kovalev growing up. And Kovalev was on his wing for that first game, I think, back in 2013, whenever it was. Um, I, I keep emotions out of it. I, I Just as a reporter, obviously, like, you speak to these guys. Like, I've seen these guys in person. I've spoken with them. You got to try and keep emotion out of it and stick to the hockey side. But for the for the fan base, um, yeah, it's tough. You know, Huberto was there for their first series win. He was there for their first back to back triple playoff appearances since we're counting the bubble. Um, him and Uyghur, you know, they were there on bad teams and they were there on really good teams. So when you see two guys that came in as kids, as eighteen year olds to your organization, they're leaving at thirty year old men. It's um, obviously the fan base was quite taken aback, specifically Huberto, because he was a fan favorite there. You know, Barkov, Huberto, there was probably more Barkov and Huberto jerseys than any other jersey in that stadium. So the fan base is quite taken aback. And the instant reactions of the trade were like, holy, what just happened? How did you just trade Jonathan Huberto? And then I think it took a day or two for a lot of the fans to realize we just got a 24-year-old Matthew Kachuk who's going to be here for the next eight years and he's going to help our team win over a longer period than having a 34 year old Jonathan Huberto making about $10 million. That's kind of the hockey aspect of it. You get a negotiation with the Kachuk done just like that. And no one ever wants to go through that. We saw what he did in that top line in Calgary. And now he goes to play with Alexander Barkov. Oh, it's not going to, it's not going to be fun for uh, the rest of the teams in that division. Um, Alex, Thank you so much for coming on as always. Um, you're very gracious with your time. We know you have to go. Uh, before you do, though, go ahead and plug your stuff. I know you've done it before, but uh, it's the least we could offer for you being so kind as to come on. Um, a Baumgartner 91 on Twitter. There you go. Okay, perfect. Thank you for coming on, my friend. Until next time. And next time you see Curtis, tell him he's uh, he, I, I'm expecting the bench draw apologies. I'm telling Curtis, I'm trying to get Curtis to take my shift tomorrow because I want to go to this press conference, but no biters right now. We'll see. (laughs) How dare you. Come on, Curtis. Help the boys out. Uh, Thank you, though, my friend. And uh, it's always good to see you. Thanks, guys. All right, lads. Uh, Again, thank you to Baumgartner for coming on. Always nice talking to him. Uh, Big days in Florida. Uh, But I think just quickly we can look at this trade for the side of the Calgary Flames. Because I thought they had no leverage in this scenario. And they come out 
with the chance to either re-sign Uyghur or Huber, though, or if they retain half their salaries at the trade deadline, uh, they could get a King's ransom for both those players. I very, very tidy work here for Brad Trilliving. No, yeah. it is Brad, right? Not the other, the other one, his dad's his father. Uh, yes. I call that Boston Jim. pizza trivelling. Yes. Yes. But yes. no, no. So I, I thought this was really good work from Calgary too. I actually, I think I, I like Florida got the best player probably, but I personally believe that Calgary have the, if they re-sign both those guys, I think it's a complete home run for them. I, I think if they sign one of those guys, it's a home run. Well, it's going to be weaker because Huber does go to Montreal next year. Well, that's true. To play okay. with Pierre Luc Dubois, of course. Yeah, exactly. And then Bedard, and then Caulfield, Suzuki, Sofkowski. Top six is going to be nasty next year. Yeah. Montreal's going to get all the really good players while they still have good players and still get Connor Bedard. It's just, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a mystery. Crazy. It's a mystery. With Panthers 2023. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Um, I think the, like, from the Flames perspective, it's a good trade for them. I think it adds, you know, something that they lost in Johnny Goudreau, uh, bringing in Jonathan Huberto. I think last year. I mean, listen, any team can strengthen their their decor. Now their right side is Rasmus Anderson, Chris Tanev, and Mackenzie Weger, and pretend, and Weger can play on the left too. But I, I don't think Calgary's done. Like I think I think they still got some moves left to make. Yeah, in my opinion, I think this stops the bleeding. I think if you are Calgary, you are the fandom right now, the fan base. You go through Johnny Goudreau leaving, and then you were gonna go through Matthew Kachuk leaving, and you can't leave things as they were. I think this move was necessary to yeah, two things: keep it the, the team competitive, but also kind of show that. They're not just going to fold. Um, this this reminds me of the 2000, the stretch between 2011, 2012. So the Nashville Predators, they lose Dan Hamhuis when he was good. And mm-hmm. then they lost Ryan Suter. And then what they were forced to do is they didn't re-sign Shea Weber right away. And then they were forced to match Philly's offer. I know it was a crazy contract, but it was something you had to do to stop the bleeding. And I think the Flames right now, we don't know what the extensions are going to look like, but it buys them a lot of time to do something. They could probably decide that they want to get the assets or they convince these guys that Florida has a long-term vision that last year was not just a fluke. Daniel, it's funny you bring that that, uh, offer sheet up. Funny enough, 10 years ago today, Uh the Preds matched the offer sheet. And uh, that contract is still going for a couple more years. In Vegas, you're like, yeah, it is. You don't have to say it. Oh, that was it's strange, it's strange. Um, and then you look at the rest of the defense core too. It's Noah Hannafin's just sort of there, and uh, I like it, man. And you know that Kachuk is. I know a lot of people were still looking at his previous years, and they've looked at the outlier of last season. But I just I don't buy that. He's always been like an incredible player. Kachuk. And, yeah, and yeah. then now playing with Sasha Barkov is like, ugh, I can't stand that. Despite so, making, oh, sorry. Oh, no, it's just weird to me because remember the last two years, we always talked about how, and it was, it was big in Calgary media too, that like Matthew Kachuk is the next captain. And then that's, yeah. when, the, that's when the trade rumors started coming up. Yeah. Oh, man. Despite Calgary making 
Matthew Kachuk somehow about the Leafs because they did. They did a great job at that, by the way. I mean, listen um, to Carlo Kaliaka, though. Yeah. Uh, so I just like I, I I hope we're not having that discussion today, are we? There's also John no. Scott. Okay, no, thank you. I, pre- I, did. Matthews. I hate that. No, okay, no. okay, we're not gonna have that because like I'm not entertaining it. Your uh, video, but froze. the point. The, pardon. Your video froze. Oh, but the 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 point I was gonna make about uh the despite Matthew them making Matthew could check about Calgary. I'll give uh, about Toronto. Sorry, I'm gonna. Try to be a little nice here. I think there's some good that came out of this trade for Calgary. Uh, Jonathan Huberdeau had a modified no trade clause, which means in this case, he submits a list of eight teams he cannot be traded to. Mm -hmm. I assume Calgary was not on that list or he was willing to waive to go to Calgary. Mm. So. That doesn't happen often, right? We saw it with Kadri in the past, and Kadri knew he was going to be traded, despite him thinking he thought he was him by him declining that he wasn't going to be traded. Whatever. Yeah. He's in Calgary now. Calgary now has a year to or less if he changes if he's willing to sign there now. But Calgary has a year to prove, I guess, to Jonathan Huberto that he should resign in mm-hmm. Calgary. Kawhi Leonard vibes. Kawhi Leonard vibes. I was gonna say that. <laughs> and Uyghur. And Uyghur. And Uyghur. Yeah. I yeah, but like I think with Huberto in particular, the fact that they lost Johnny Goudreau, who was their star, their franchise player for the last so many years, and you lose him, and now you've brought in Jonathan Huberto essentially as a mm-hmm. replacement. I think it's important for them, important for them, sorry, to at least have some confidence in that they can bring him back. I hate that both the Kachucks are in the Atlantic now, by the way. Mm, yeah. Tell me about I'm sure it. Sure, their mom is also not happy about that either. <laughs> and they're just gonna they're gonna just go after each other four times a year. Imagine a oh. playoff series between them. <gasps> oh my gosh. Oh, I would love that so much. I can't remember which I know it was Mark Stahl who did it, but I can't remember it was Eric or Jordan, but he gave one of his brothers a concussion. Really? Yeah. Ooh. When Mark Stahl was doing all those big hits before. Ah, well, um, uh, that's unfortunate. Uh, I th- was it Eric? I, I, uh, Eric I think it was right. Eric. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Who knows? Who knows? They were both injury. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, now they're both in Florida. <laughs> well, one on, one on the PTO, one on the PTO. But yeah. Also, uh, $9.5 million. Uh, that was a decent little price tag for Kishani. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, he's a good player. He's not generational, like people were saying. Though we need to no. stop with that term. Like, there's generational talent discussion right now. Crosby, McDavid, who else in the league? Gretzky. Right now? Oh, no, Bacar? no, 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 no one else. Or that's ah. too much of a small sample size. The whole point of it being generate, there has to be an extremely. It has to be an extremely small number. Okay, Crosby, Ovechkin, McDavid, McKinnon. No, 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 no. Um. I think it's those three, to be honest. In my opinion, at least right now, there's no generational goalie in the league. There was, but then he had too many knee injuries. Okay, yeah, Carey Price, but... There's there's three currently generational players, not generational at one specific thing, generational players. There's three of them in the league. 
And what's Austin the, Matthews? No, uh, uh, Ovechkin, Crosby, McDavid. The thing is, they all came out and we were immediately even though superstars, and like not even just superstars, but elite world breakers. You know, you yeah. gotta remember that Ovechkin beat Crosby for the Calder. Yeah, yeah. Well, he shouldn't have if I'm not, but you know. Well, they won by the points. Yeah, that. Which is dumb. But yeah. Uh, anyway, he's a good player. Really good. Unicorn is not loose. She's inside. But let's, we need to be careful with the whole generational thing in hockey because we'll be, gotta be careful. He could be a superstar. He ain't generational. You know, come on, come down, come down, come down. Moving on, though. Uh, Pierre Luc Dubois has taken his qualifying offer of $6 million with the Winnipeg Jets. We just uh, trade him already. Like, it's become a mess. Doing? What are we doing here? So, Marco D'Amico had a really good article talking about how this basically makes it easier for him to get traded because obviously a team acquiring him knows exactly what the cap number to work with is. So, listen, if, yeah, because instead of just if you're, let's say, a French Canadian team looking to acquire Pierre Luc Dubois. It's instead of working with, I don't have a contract with this guy and I can't negotiate with him because otherwise it's tampering. Um, then, you know, it's better to know, okay, so to get a deal done, I need to make $6 million go the other way. So it's definitely. Uh, if I'm the Jets, yeah. I'm not, if I'm the Jets, I'm not particularly content that he took his qualifying offer. Cause in re- in theory, you get less in theory, you can get less for him now because now he can't negotiate with that team about a contract until January. I really thought there'd be more. Go on. (laughs) I thought it was just going to be like the Matthew Kachuk example for me was wouldn't they want to go for that leverage aspect of it? I think now that he accepted it, the Jets are just, I mean, they already took a loss on the previous trade. Greg Rosovic actually rediscovered himself. Patrick Laine committed long-term, at least for four years, to Columbus. And then now, Pierre Lucobo, like I really feel that if the Jets hold on to him a lot longer, then it's just going to be a smaller return at this point. Was, was Dubois, uh, was he able to get salary arbitration? Was that an option for him? Uh, I think so, yeah, and he didn't elect for it. So why didn't the team? I, I'm okay. I'm even more confused now at what Winnipeg's doing here. Can I, if I'm being completely honest? He's also eligible, or at least I want to say he was, because I remember seeing that he didn't. And then obviously he's still at U with an RFA next year of Arbright's. Um, but if you're the team, why don't you? Why didn't they? Why didn't Winnipeg do what Calgary did and do team elected salary arb? Yeah, like they weren't mm-hmm. like Kachuk put up a career season. Dubois had his best year since 1819 maybe you just don't believe that an offer sheet's real i i don't know because if you're the canadians why in the world would you offer sheet him because it, like realistically like the jets right now if, if you're the canadians and you just want to play this a bit of a dirty way i just leave it for a couple of years because then you can get him for free on the open market and you know he wants to play with you because he's pulling a James Harden and forcing his way out right now. So I don't even know what the Jets can really get to begin with in this whole thing, unless the Canadians use it the way to move Christian Dvorak, which makes sense because then the Jets can get a center back. Um, I, I just if don't. I'm, no, I was just no, thinking but, they went from Line to Duba to Dvorak. 
man, if I, yeah. So if I'm the Jets and I just saw what went down with Matthew Kachuk, and I get it, Matthew Kachuk, far better player than yeah. than thing, but Kirby Doc, who's a third overall pick, same thing yeah. with Pierre Luc Dubois, just got them 13, got Chicago 13th overall, mm-hmm. or got whoever 13th overall. Sorry, um, I'm I'm yeah. I'm holding on to Pierre Luc Dubois, and I would and I would have done exactly what Calgary did in in doing the team salary arbitration because you know you're going to trade him. Was that not the reason they they went that route? Like Pierre Luc Dubois is gone. I think what Calgary was the thing is what they they could avoid the offer sheet. I'm pretty sure was the thing, and then it was I, I guess it was that way they could then sort of have the trade talks ready. And that way, like, offer sheet negotiations weren't possible, I think, is what they were thinking. When I think instead with Dubois rather than Kachuk, you know there is one team involved right now. Um, and had, I hate to say this because obviously I'm, I'm a fan of one of these teams, but, like, this is a really – this is bad for the league. Like, the worst thing that, ha- that can happen here is what Pierre-Luc Dubois does is he shows up at camp. And he gives a performance like he did at the end of his time in Columbus. And then the worst part there is in his value goes. Because you can simply say, yeah, I want Kirby Doc, But then it's the same thing of, if you're the Canadians, I just say, okay, hang up the phone. I'll wait two years. But then it's the thing of, if Dubois is not going to try, then what the hell happens with them? Do they just say, okay, fine, you don't want to be here are we going to trade him? But then what other team is going to take the chance knowing that they're not going to keep him? I, I don't know. I, I don't like the way that Dubois is going about this, to be honest. Um, I don't like seeing guys force their way out. That's a big thing I don't like right now in the NBA. Um, but it, it, it's just, I, I, he has but to did Matthew Kachuk too. just do this? Did Matthew Kachuk not? Ju- yeah. Like Matthew Kachuk just did this. But he he said, I'm not signing in, <laughs> but in he Calgary. Does. He at least, the difference is he never, I think if, if Goudreau stayed, it was a little different. The thing is that this is the second time in, what is it, two, three seasons yeah. while mm-hmm. doing it, and he quit on the ice. When Kachuk, at least every night, and sometimes to the detriment of the Calgary Flames, as we saw in that famous game against uh, the Leafs last year, mm-hmm. um, he left it all on the ice. When Dubois, you know, while under contract, he, he gave up. Yeah, like there's more merit, in my opinion, right now, of Matthew Kachuk doing something like this. Of you know the the, uh, I, I the productions are ready on the ice. He left Here's it there, and I don't he was agree able with that. to get they're the bo- contract. I, I don't ag- I don't agree with that though because they're both doing the same thing. They're both are if if the thing is they're RFAs and they shouldn't be forcing their way out of teams. Both of them just did that. How about this? How about this? Kachuk's agent didn't go on French radio and say, yeah, he wants to play Montreal. It, it's, it's not great. Um, I well, Pierre-Luc Dubois could have just said that last, last time around too. Uh, might as well. He might as well have said that last time around. He showed up at the draft this time around. So that's, still- yeah, that's, he showed uh, up at the draft this time around. He's putting himself in a corner because he's saying so. Well, so is Matthew Kachuk because like he's teams are not going to, no one's going to acquire Pierre Luc Dubois if he's not going to sign an extension. The same way that no one, I, I don't think many teams were going to acquire Matthew Kachuk if they couldn't sign him for eight years. And 
I don't think Flor- uh, Calgary would have traded him if that wasn't going to happen because you're going to get so much less if 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 Kachuk wasn't willing to sign eight years in Florida, they're getting nowhere near that package. He would have. I bet it was like the the Josh Anderson trade. Remember when 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 that was happening? It was okay. I'll sign one year because that would have walked in the UFA or you give me the max at that time with seven years. Yeah. I wonder if probably Kachuk did that. Well, then here's the golden question then. What do the Jets do? I don't know. Trade them. Yeah. Trade them or deal with it. And accept where they are. I think the Jets just got to have to accept they're not going to contend with this core. Uh, yeah, no, they need to uh... – I just I see Blake Wheeler still has another expensive team still left. Yeah, no, it's uh, didn't the Nets just kind of go through this with Kyrie? And I get different situation. He tried when he was allowed to play. (laughs) Allowed to play. So so like because Kyrie, they he said I want out. Then they went out and realized that's there's one team and they they're not going to trade for him. Why would the Lakers trade for him when they're the only team in this? If they think they could get him for cheaper, didn't happen. So then he re- then he stayed with Brooklyn, and now we're going to see what happens. If I'm Winnipeg, I don't trade him unless uh, unless I get what I want. Mm, well, there's also the, the whole Westbrook sort of stopping the whole salary thing of it, and like the, the picks and that. But no, I know what you mean. It, it's um. I, the trade market's been so wild this off season. Um, like, but we love it. We'll get to oh yeah, we'll get to the Petrie trade later. But like, you look at the Patcheretti one. Uh, we're going to talk about Columbus and Bjorkstrand in a second. But and then you see the Kachuk trade, the return there, and it's like, it's like night and day. Uh, it's 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 another thing. Also, why the hard cap kind of sucks. By the way, um, is we're a thirty goal scorer got traded for literally nothing a couple weeks ago. I'm and really hoping one day. I know it means nothing, but I'd like to see a someone actually look at okay, would the, have the future considerations ever been considered? Because there's been trades in the past where it ends up being like a really low draft pick. But I'd like to see someone actually follow up on whether or not the future considerations were fulfilled. It, it, it has been. There was one, I think, the SDP, SDP or 32 Thoughts guys talked about, and the guy ended up actually being cons- future considerations for himself. I can't remember the exact name, but it's happened. It's rare, but it happens. Uh, okay, Columbus, Patrick Line. That's a really nice thing to say about the Blue Jackets. Uh, and on top of that, he signs a four-year deal. Uh, it's worth $8.7 million as the AAV. Uh, which is they're going to be pretty good next year. Uh, maybe not playoff thing, but, but good, good step, good step. Uh, but along with that is they basically have to trade Oliver Bjorkstrand to Seattle on the cheap for some picks. Mm-hmm. Um, and to Oliver, pay Erica Branson. Which is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I think, you know, with Line A and Goudreau coming in, sort of overshadowed sort of how bad Branson the signing was and, kind of how bad the Bjorkstrand deal was, because this is not good. And even Yarmo Kekalainen's like, I think he said, I'm paraphrasing here, this is like the hardest decision I've ever made as Blue Jackets GM, which is like, you had to trade Panarin. <laughs> oh, certainly you, you held on to him. Oh, did they trade him? I can't remember. Oh, he oh, held, held on to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, Ryan like, Dezingle. 
But Oliver Bjorkstrand was was the most difficult one. Um, but what do you guys make of the line A extension? And what do you make of uh, Bjorkstrand? Good for Seattle, by the way. I think a good pickup for Seattle uh, on the cheap. Um, and, and and specifically with line A staying, I think that's good for Columbus. I think mm-hmm. it was something. And Johnny Goudreau, I, I, I imagine Johnny Goudreau coming to to Columbus very much help with that. And it'll be, I let, like, again, this is this deal that went down between Winnipeg and Columbus has now absolutely been confirmed a win for Columbus. I, I think no shadow of a doubt. Oh, I yeah. think last year there were questions, mm-hmm. but I think we have our answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel bad for Jets fans. I re- I feel really bad for them looking at, looking at this. I liked, um, I like where Columbus is headed right now. They have a good balance of guys in their prime guys who I like to see for a small market team that they're committing these number of years to the blue jackets. And I get it. The Bjorkstrand trade wasn't the best. He was a guy that was one of the few like Cam Atkinson decided to stay long-term and, but what you see now is they're trusting the young guys. You're going to see Cole Sillinger. You're going to probably see a Ken Johnson make the team. You're going to see an Igor Chinnikov play a bigger role now. So it's about finding the minutes for the guys in the top nine. So I understand it. And they are a lot better now than what we've seen the last few years. But it's that accumulation of things. And I think, again, we, we talk about it, but selling, selling the Columbus brand has been so much better. Just wait a couple more years for some of their younger D to make the team too. See how Bachvis keeps going as well. And uh, you're in for a pretty good team in a couple seasons. And I mean, with the Capitals and Penguins getting older by the day, <laughs> uh, literally with some of their acquisitions, uh, Columbus could be in a really good spot in a couple of years. And the Flyers <laughs> having no idea what they're doing. Better go to And uh, just say the Flyers. And it's like, uh, I saw like it was <laughs> Flyers fans are, are, funny uh, i saw some stuff about just some little things they put out there about chuck fletcher and like yeah it's bad it's bad um i meant to bring up to Baumgartner about some of the the the, the assets of the the panthers have moved but i guess he talked about it about them competing and going all in uh but it's it's been kind of crazy there it's been very crazy uh, but yeah seattle though seriously your strength good move nice uh let's see if they what they do with them if they keep them if they trade them who knows um, I'm surprised you don't like that one because it's another uh, five million dollar deal. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Was it like five point two or something? Uh, five point four. Five point four. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, but you All know right. what? At least his. But seriously, uh, the difference between him and like Ilya Mikheyev is like Bjorkstrand does everything, but Mikheyev's like I'm fast. I, I scored for one year, and it's like ah. When, but like everything about Bjorkstrand's advanced numbers is like oh, I love this guy. Um, but uh, yeah, no, um, listen, uh, Seattle are full of them too because they got Schwartz. Um, yeah, whatever, it's a they thing got a lot them. of them, yeah, they got a lot of guys, they got a lot of them, but yeah, we'll see. You're not, they don't have any superstars yet, though, so we can forgive them. We can forgive them. Um, Matty Veneers, <laughs> he has played a Shane game. Wright, yes, he has not played a game yet. Man, do you guys see the video of uh, the welcome to the NHL thing that we're going around on Twitter? Yeah. That was, uh, I feel really bad for Shane Wright. Can we uh, stop, like, get over it a little bit? 
like I, I I've seen some people posting alternate angles and stuff like this. I don't care. Even if it, it could have been Austin Matthews staring down whatever the Leafs table, for example, I don't, I don't care. Listen, here's my thing. He definitely did, but okay. listen, I like. Uh, he's 18, mm. and uh, he, it was tough. He like when the Coyotes took Cooley and he goes to his dad that hurt. I, uh, I think you saw an extremely human moment from someone and I'm not going to land based a kid for that. Um, also not- imagine being told for three, how many years has yeah, it since been? He was 15. Yeah. Since he was 15, that he was going to be the number one overall since 15, 15 years old. It's going to be fun to watch him play the Habs, for example, but it's like, listen, it, it was, it was, uh, it's, it's a good thing to watch, but let's just remember that, you know, um, this is a, it's not normal for someone of that age to be exposed to such a, a wild environment, not to mention with the draft being in Montreal and he was such a big fan favorite there. Yeah. Um, people want, I wanted him. I still think they should have taken him, but, uh, alas, I just, I don't think we need the dissection of the way it's been is, is my thing. It doesn't need to be dissected like this. Whether he stared down a table or not, it, I don't think it's that important. I thought it was a cool little. See what you could do is like you know how like WWE had those like pre-match. Oh, the promos, matches? yeah. You could use that for like a Saturday night game. But sure. Like in the middle of what are we, July twenty fourth? Ah, we can calm down. They start cutting things. You see, like a Stone Cold Stunner in the yeah. middle of it, and then it goes back to hockey. Like Nazem Kadri and John Klingberg are still free agents, but we're dissecting if an 18 year old stared down the table or not. Really? That because I need to know. This is the chip on the shoulder, guys. What the hell is going on with John Klingberg? Uh, Where's Sammy Vatnin? Is he going back overseas? Nino Niederreiter. I really like this move for Nashville, actually. It's a very Nashville move. You know what I mean? Like they always get these types of like, these middle six two-way guys that you know they'll guy they'll give you either a very good quality 45 to 60 points. Uh two years four million dollars. They always need scoring in Nashville. Uh I wonder how much the Canes gave him or offered him. I really do question that. One million dollars. Something screams something screams like 2.95 or something to me. I know, I, I don't know, but or maybe, I don't know, maybe he got around that. He thought he'd get more, and maybe it's a pride thing. I don't know. But I think Sarah Sivian sort of even tweeted, like, I don't – could they not have done this? Because the Canes still have space, but – Oh, do they? You know what's funny to me? John Klingberg, so it doesn't matter. You know what's funny to me? What? So they – remember when we thought, like, in Nashville's going to tear it down. They need to. We, they traded Victor Arvidsson for picks, mm-hmm. and then they signed Mikael Grenland – and Nino Reader Rider to these similar deals. And they're like, I, in my opinion, they're the similar skill set, you know, around the same age as those guys. Yeah, we, we could have been more wrong about the Nashville Predators, to be honest. I mean, they're still not going to win anything. No, but they definitely didn't tear it down. Yeah. And I think they definitely got better. Um, Is Matthew Shane going to have another 80 point season? I wouldn't be surprised because goaltenders still suck around the lake. Uh, by the way, the Canes have $4,083,000 in gap space, so they could have done it. But, yeah, maybe we don't know the negotiations. Yeah, fair enough. I thought it was a decent little signing. Uh, something I didn't think was decent, the Sharks, we have our final head coach for next season. 
uh, the Sharks have hired David Quinn. Ah, yes. the guy that no one else wanted to hire. And what was it? Uh, Spencer Carberry and uh, was it Volucci were the finalists as well? Someone had maybe Friedman. Friedman had it. Yeah. Uh, were, were, were the so Spencer Carberry, Toronto, I think Volucci, Pittsburgh. Yep. Uh, Mike Volucci. Mike Volucci. That's a good name. Uh, Volucci. Uh, David Quinn just does this still just kind of feel like a sharks move or the sharks of a few years ago like this kind of seems like a bland hiring for a team that kind of so feels keep like things it's status quo like is david quinn the guy no but i don't know if that's the thing they need right now right what do the sharks need the sharks need a to lot. the age trade a goalie still yeah maybe get a little younger on d Younger up front, and so ah, we need someone who's probably gonna be able to get the best out of young players. So you get David Quinn, Mark Edward Vlasic to Ooh, have. Do they even have young players? I don't mean to like, uh, William yeah. Eklund, yeah, Eklund will be coming in. Uh, I think Bordalo, too, guy who ended oh. Vegas's playoff hopes, by the way. I remember him. Um, uh, oh, uh, Ryan Merkley, okay, is he still there? Yeah, yeah. 21. Oh, god, yeah, that guy. Mm. So, but you know what I mean? It's like you need that guy. I'm not going to pretend to know everything about the shark system, but Rangers fans wanted to burn David Quinn at the stake because he wouldn't play young players properly. One more guy I'd like to mention because I loved his name when he was drafted. It was the pick they got for Barclay Goudreau. Who? Ozzy Westblad. That's a cool name. Yes. Is he from Australia? Probably I don't know. I just thought yeah. it would be cool. I thought Alex would be a big fan of him because his I do name like is Ozzy. I he is uh, Canadian. I, hope I don't know if you remember last year they did the um, they did it in sign language because I believe it was his mother. Yes. Oh yes. That was yes. Great. Yes. Yes. You're right. But, yeah. Like the thing. Like yeah. I I don't. I think there. You could have gone a different direction in San Jose. It's just what on like what are we doing? I guess is the question. Like, what's San Jose doing? You know, my favorite thing, Alex, is um, did you see guys see what they did? The firing they did or a, a parting of ways? The parting of ways that San Jose did? The Bob Boonair? No, not Boop. Even was, though. With Boop Doug Wilson Jr.? Yes. Who I believe is their head scout or something or a big part of their scouting staff? Yes. I love when teams part ways with scouts after the draft. I just because that just kind of makes me wonder, like, oh, okay. What does that after mean? they had the strange draft of how they moved back? Well, no, I'm just like my thinking no, is no, no. I mean, what does that mean? Like, why would you do it after the draft? Is that's what I mean? Yeah, it's it 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 makes me if I was a fan and then all of a sudden the Habs just fired out all their scouts after the draft, I'd be like, oh, well, that's not good. I'm I'm worried for San Jose, even if Eric Carlson's back. I think they're just waiting. Like we've said it before, they're just waiting for those contracts to expire at that point because they can't do anything. They're gonna be waiting until we're all gray haired. They're yeah, they're they're in like which contracts in particular, Daniel? Like, like Mark Eric Edward Carlson, Vlasic, Mark Edward Vlasic, and- uh, you know Logan Couture's starting to not really be like he's still good, but he's not what they gave him. What do you think Thomas Hurdle's thinking right now? Why did I sign here? 
I don't know. Yeah. Cheers. Maybe he likes the sun. He likes the beach. According to Matthew Kachuk said those were very attractive, but that's not why he went to Florida. Classic still has four years left. I don't think this contract has moved in a decade. Oh my god. I think he'd be a great people. veteran voice in Montreal. His, I uh, don't know where yeah. you think they have the cap space, Daniel, but I okay. I mean, and they're they're holding on to Brent Burns and Carlson's five years left, and Couture has five years, and 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 and, and Hurdle is just hitting eight years. Oh my god! It's it's never a surprise because we all know how bad the Sharks' contracts are. But every time you see them, like how does Vlasic still have four years left? I believe cap friendly, but I still can't believe that. Did he sign it like after the Olympics? I they must have. They must have. Like I, I think that's the thing with, um, with the David Quinn thing. Like you know what this screams of to me and this is like no disrespect to either of these coaches it's just what i think this is just how it what it seems like the detroit red wings kept jeff blashill like jeff blashill was the in-between coach between mike babcock and Derek lalonde mm-hmm. then and steve eisenman probably thinks Derek lalonde's his guy right that's yeah. that's why he hired him yeah is it at any way possible that David Quinn is just the in between until they 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 realize what they need to do to be good again? I wonder if there were still people in that organization that were hoping it was going to be Rocky Thompson, because remember he was on there until COVID hit. He was on that staff. Yeah, it more reminds me of Ken Hitchcock in Edmonton. When it was like, I'm going to steer the ship here. And then the Oilers were spinning their wheels and it was a disaster. But I do see what you mean. Because I got, I refuse to believe that they get kind of creative in hiring Greer, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and then you go out and bring in David Quinn, who is the least creative hire maybe this offseason. I just don't get it. Is Rocky Thompson yeah. still not with the... Or did they let him he, go? Someone hired him. I forget who it was, but he stepped away because I never think there was something with to do with the vaccine. I don't think he was anti-vax, but I think there was a thing of his doctor or something said he, he wasn't able to get it. Um, and so he couldn't work. But I swear someone mm. hired him recently. Flyers. Flyers. <laughs> to replace John Tortorella when he gets fired in three years. I don't get it. I freaking hate these teams. Um, Alex? Adam. Pierre Engvall. Yeah. What about him? He has been re-signed by the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's one year, $2.25 million. A bit Uh, rich. You think so? I don't think so. I think it's perfectly fine of a deal, in my opinion, at least. But yeah. Go ahead. Well, why do you like it? Oh, I don't like it. I just think it's like, I'm like, okay, it's Pierre Engvall. Like, on this team, he was... He was part of the third line that was it that's probably been their best third line for quite some time, probably since I couldn't even tell you. Um with him, Kampf and Mikheyev when he was there, uh Kasha sometimes that the right wing was always different. But again, like I think he'll be serviceable on that third line. He's gonna play. 
right? Oh, like yeah. this idea, I because I think there was this weird suggestion that they're going to still go out and make more signings, which they're going to do. I there's still guys I think on the market that they they might go after, but that's because they have to make a trade. I that's listen. <laughs> You can tell we're kind of waiting for that because uh, for the Leaf segment, we have this and Ian Scott. It's okay. a little light right now. We're One waiting for Kerfoot. Kerfoot. We're waiting for Kerfoot or or or, uh, or, or Justin Hall to be moved. Or both. Yeah. Or probably both, yeah. And or both. And Subban and uh, who's like a – I wouldn't be opposed to that, by the way, if Justin Hall gets moved. I don't think anyone would be. I, mean, I think you need a whipping boy last year. Justin Hall. Yeah. He was a bit of a whipping boy. Rightfully yeah, so. Rightfully so. He gets replaced ne- with Phil Kessel and PK Subban. But he redeemed himself. Remember that Capitals goal? That was great. Yeah. I, he did and, not redeem himself. Justin Hall did not redeem himself. I will always it remember. Been, it should have been Tim. I will die on the hill. It should have been Timothy Lilligren in the playoffs. I get it. If this truly is the it last year of Justin been. Hall or the last summer of Justin Hall, we will always have the bonding over golf with Jake Muzzin. Sure. Oh, uh, yeah. What? No. Remember the, from uh, Amazon series. Yeah. <laughs> like one of them or both of them are gone. And I think, I don't know. I like the thing, the, the, the real question is where is Alex Kerfoot going to, if he's still on the team, where is he going to play? Either second line left wing or third line center or fourth line. No, nope, he's not third line center. Dave David Kampf is third line center. So he's gonna play on the fourth line? And at 3.5. No, not on not, not an option. I think they can take spend sorry, I think they could trade that cap hit. Uh or they could trade Kerfoot and with that cat with the cap relief utilize it a little bit better across multiple lines <laughs> is is alex kerfoot the islanders big move this offseason no I that's gonna be, be nazim kadri uh, <laughs> that's why it's taking so long for him to sign please waiting he's gonna go file the like, don't tell you your family surprised? don't tell the media like, what's so, going on so now i'm like i don't want to change subjects real quick but like I saw. I don't know if you saw the athletic article. I believe it was Kevin Kurz who came out with the article saying it's a possibility that he signs with New York. But now the thing is, now that it's public, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Sneaks so, to the house and steals the contract and burns it in front of him. Yeah. So it's 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 that's not going to happen. But with the, with the Leafs, yes, it's literally. I'm just waiting to see what trade they make. Okay. And uh, Ian Scott, a lot of injury problems in his career, young goaltender, stepping away from the game because of it. Uh, That's just a real shame. You hate to see that with a guy. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised though. if I don't know if it's, if anything's been said yet, Alex, I'm sure you'll let me know if there has been, if they're going to offer him some sort of support, because it feels like they, they always sort of do that. Not uh, that I know of yet. I hope whatever he's doing, I hope they can support him in the future. Yeah. I'm, a- I'm, I was pretty sad about it. He was a guy that I've, I've talked about a lot on this podcast that yeah. I was hopeful when the Leafs were starting to draft the goalies again because they went through a weird streak of not drafting anybody after James Reimer. Uh-huh. Um, he was a guy that him and Joseph Wall, I thought that 
if you gave them enough time, maybe you would see something. But I know, understandable, like outside of hockey, there's the injuries, there's all the stuff going on beyond the game. And I'm actually going to miss him. I, I liked following him for uh, the Raiders. I liked when he finally came to the Marlies, if it was a short tenure, and I wish him the best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to the Canadians, uh, Pitlick, Sam Mambo are back on cheap deals. Uh, Mambo is a one, one way. Well, they, they both are, but obviously, uh, Mambo being one way maybe raises some eyebrows. Just keep an eye out. We'll see. Um, yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, two, two little things before we get to the Petrie trade. First off, uh, they, they released like the new numbers for everyone, everyone right? So, Dagonov is 63. Okay, right. Not bad. Uh, Kirby Doc is 77. Brett Kulak's like, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> um, Uri Slavkovsky gets 20, which means Chris Weidman changes his number to six. Shane Weber's <laughs> number. <laughs> Shane Weber's contract isn't, the body of that contract isn't even called in Chris Weidman. Sorry, yeah, Chris Weidman takes number six. What are we doing? <laughs> Why? And then, uh, by the way, Mike Matheson is Ben Chirot's number eight. Previously won by Jordy Ben. Love to see it. Current Leaf. Leaf legend. Um, so, first off, before we get to the Petrie deal, my mic just went off. Oh, oh no. Hold Dude. on. You can still hear you properly. Okay, cool. Never mind. Didn't happen. Uh, 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 so. Oh, there we go. There yeah, it is. The remix. Okay, so yesterday. That's a shame. It was going so well. So, yesterday, the Habs tweeted. In French and English, in the same tweet, guess who? And it was the longest half an hour in Habs Twitter history. Because everyone thought, is it P.K. Subban? Is Caulfield getting an extension? Is Suzuki the captain now? Is it Pierre-Luc Dubois? And all it was, was a video of Mike Matheson. That was it. Like, what was he doing? It was uh, so the tweet that followed up 37 minutes later was our new Twitter admin didn't need to, to cause a social media frenzy. And the video is a zoom out from the tweet to Mike Madison, Mike Matheson, Matheson saying, hi, Habs fans. It's Mike Matheson. They then tried to follow up with a very cute video of him and his daughter in the dressing room, which is pretty cute. Um, but I just need to like, like, listen, not only before we get to the actual like trade itself. Not only have you, does he now have number eight, which like Jordy Ben and Ben Chirot were nightmares for this, this, this team. <laughs> but in the midst of everyone waiting for something to happen, bringing in a French Canadian centerman like Pierre Luc Dubois, everyone getting excited about Jonathan Huberto now. Eddie, all that, all those other things I mentioned. And you thought it was a good idea to let him do that tweet. I think half the fan base hates Mike Matheson right now because of it. I you love him still? I'll wait to see how he plays. Okay. Um, but it, it's just, if his name, if he wasn't from Montreal, he's getting booed the opening. I, they should be ashamed of themselves for doing that. And then being like, oh, here's a cute kid. It's like, okay, cute kid. Fair enough. Adorable moment. You love to see it. Don't, uh, but don't who boom drink fix you. Don't huh? do that. It's just... I was pacing in my room for 20 minutes because I'm like, PK is coming home, baby. And it was just Mike Matheson. Why would you do that? Why? Who thought that was a good idea? It's Mike Matheson. I love the anticipation. Taking a prospect. You can't, you can't do that. You know that. why they did that? Not enough. Why? 
Because, why? because. What, 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 why? Because they hate us? Because they hate us. Fired. Also, it's because Mike Mathis in a special. And, okay, well, and here we go. Okay, because I, I have a feeling I know what you're going to bring up here. And I, I know what it is. Anyway. I, I just feel, I feel obligated to bring it up. You know what I mean? Because just, Kyle Dubas loves his guys and so does Kent Hughes. And his Kent Hughes, are... yeah, former Kent Hughes client. There it is. Mike Matheson. So and okay. one more, Anthony Richard, just in case oh, you didn't know. Is, okay. Uh, so the Montreal Canadiens have traded Jeff Petrie. It's been that long since we recorded last. Uh, to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, there's a pick in there. Who gives, who cares? Uh, coming the other way is Mike Matheson, who when I saw the trade, I went, oh no. So apparently, and and the just so apparently, first off, the Canadians insisted that Mike Matheson was coming in the steal. Apparently, the Penguins didn't want to do it. Um now, Kent Hughes has referenced his five-on-five play and a lot of the analytics supporting Mike um, Matheson, which is like, oh, okay, fair enough. Um, he, I, there's cap savings. He's much younger. Um, but it's longer, right? And, uh, yeah, I think it is a longer. Actually, let, me, let me double-check the exact contract of it. Um, like, let, let me put it like this. I'm surprised they got something. Uh, Mike Matheson has four years left. Um, so he'll be like two years younger than Jeff Petrie is now by the time the deal is done. Listen, do I hate the deal with every fiber of my being? No, but I think a lot of people were expecting they were going to try and target a pick and a prospect. Maybe it was unrealistic when we looked at the Brett Burns deal. Is it big that the Canadians didn't retain any salary because that was Kent Hughes' objective? Yes. But I don't think any of us were really expecting a Mike Matheson return. Like I thought. But is that good or bad? Like I, I don't. Oh, so I, transition. What is Mike? What's Mike Matheson? A minutes eater. Puck move. No, he's not like Ben Sherrod, but he's like, like a, he is, is a left handed puck mover, apparently. Is he a positive or a negative? From what I can tell from like a lot of his advanced numbers, this isn't Florida Mike Matheson anymore. He is a positive player. He's a transformed uh, man since Pittsburgh. And yes, which, you know, it's here's the thing since, yeah. is, is, and that happens to a lot of players, right? Mm. Um, well, the, the hope the, the phrase was we can see him working under Marty St. Louis, which is like, okay, all right, okay. I don't that that's right. the most generic quote I've ever heard, but okay. I feel like it's a I big don't know what thing that with Kent. I feel like the Canadians have a lot of hope with with they said the same thing about how Safkowski's they're gonna really rely on Marty getting a lot. Here's the thing, right? His is nearly everything they do was kind of like Marty will make it work. And I'm like, listen, he did it with Cole and Suzuki and everything. And he fixed Petrie at the end of the year. It, it's good. But I'm like, listen, guys, I hope there is more. And the, the view on the analytics on Matheson helps. I just hope it's more than just Marty St. Louis can fix everything. Because let us remember, he has only coached half a season. Let's just that's a, lot of pre- that's a lot of pressure. And he still needs another assistant coach because I don't know who's running the defense next year. So PK Subban. I, <laughs> just I, imagine. Just I would imagine. prefer Jeff Petrie on the power play than PK Subban. Jordan Harris. PK. No, no, but who's gonna be their assistant I mean, coach? Yeah, I, I mean the coach, yeah. Oh yeah. no, okay, yeah, they, they bring on PK as a coach. I wouldn't yeah, be opposed yeah. to Andre Markov, but player coach. I don't know if Markov's much of a communicator. Never really was as a player. Well, I'm sure. Well, no, on the ice, he was the general. I shouldn't say that. But in the media, he was always like, yeah, I, I still don't know if Markov would be interested. 
Because he's in he's in Russia with his family and his weird music videos that his wife wife did. That was don't ask. Look it up. I just thought the return was weird. I'm happy they didn't retain salary, but it's I just it just wasn't the return okay. I was expecting. And what were you expecting? Because I think going into the before you answer that question, I'll preface it with before the trade deadline, right? There was the talks of Jeff Petrie being traded and it seemed like the expectations were extremely high for a player who didn't was not having a good season and had just started a contract. So what were you expecting now? I was expecting maybe a B prospect in a second at the deadline. And what's um, Mike Matheson's value? Like to you, what's Mike Matheson's value in relation to that? Is it close? Is it above? Is it on par? Like that's what I'm very confused about. Like I ha- I, I can't get a, a, a good understanding of, of what people think of this trade because the expectations felt so, so high that now I don't even know what Mike Matheson is. You know what? what's weird is Penguins fans hated it. They really liked him. I was like, really? Because here's the thing: because we don't pay we don't pay as much of attention to guys like Mike Matheson on the Penguins because Sidney Crosby exists, and this whole offseason has been focused around Chris Letang, Brian Rust, and Evgeny Malkin. Uh, I remember watching the playoffs and I saw Matheson on the top pair with with, with Chris Letang, and I said, "Excuse me." Was it Matheson I, the one who screwed you? Yeah, he's yeah yeah no. There was a game where he had a he had some rough turnovers, but I can forgive that because Jeff Petrie had plenty. Um, anyway, and yeah, I remember yelling, "Mike Madison, you're screwing my bracket right now." And yeah. now he's ahead. Uh, listen, like 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 here's how you sort of you look at it, right? Um, as I as I lo- I lost my train of thought, so I'm trying to stall as I try and remember what I was yep. about to say. Um, what were we talking about? I, I was trying. I'm trying to gauge like value. I, okay, so, I'm yeah, trying to gauge value yeah. of what Mike Matheson is because, yeah. like, to me, this is yeah. under what. Like, this should be extremely underwhelming considering how people were talking uh, about Jeff Petrie around February slash March, and considering yes, okay, you can look at what Vegas has done, but Vegas also did this last last summer, so I can't yeah. imagine the markets extremely shifted. So it's it's because I think I have or a lot of us have the view of this is the Mike Matheson that the Panthers took salary off of to make work in the Patrick Hornquist deal. And the sense for it on Pittsburgh was this, the fact that like real money or something, it, it was offset. I mean, remember, it was a yep. really, really weird trade at the time. We were mm-hmm. like, what the hell is going on here? Um, which, which is I think right now it's safe to say at the moment the Canadians probably lost the trade. Um, listen, the management group likes Matheson. We'll see how it goes. And I think maybe it's a good sign that the Penguins didn't want to trade him. But I just, for now, I just don't, and I don't get it from Pittsburgh's point of view either. Here's the thing. Cause Petrie is in his mid thirties. So Latang's there too. Malkin is pretty old. I know they wanted to get some more offense on, on the back end because John Marino's offense is sort of wailed and they're maybe getting a sort of bet with Ty Smith in that swap. You know, sort of problem child prospects, my problem, your problem, see what's going on here. Um, and like Peachy's going to be good for them, but my God, they're old. It's just a very strange all around where it looked like both fan bases weren't really happy, but at least I know what Jeff Petrie is despite the first half of the season under Dom Ducharme. And yeah, like you say, Alex is. I just I need to see Mike Matheson play. 
Because right now I'm just like, how am I going to feel about watching him and David Samard play together? Or is he going to play with Joel Edmondson? Or what are we doing? Listen, he's he's a couple years younger than Jeff Petrie. And he's a hometown guy. And for some reason, there's a thing of whenever a defenseman comes to Montreal, at least his first year, he plays out of his mind. And who knows what's after that? That happened with Ben Chirot and like Joel Edmondson. They had great first years. And then we don't talk about Ben Chirot ever again. Until um, last year. Yeah, and then it was he was worth a first, and then somehow he was. Um, but I, I don't know. Right now, I don't love the trade. I just don't. Like, from the Penguins' perspective, okay, like, I guess I don't understand their value of Mike Matheson, but I think they come out with the better player right now. Yeah. They come out with the better player right now, and it somewhat addresses a need, a one of their needs, if they think they need more offense on that on that blue line. But Tank um, Peter is pretty freaking nice to have as a one-two on that. Right. And, and and your top four somewhat lines up around uh Brian Dumoulin, Chris Letang, Marcus Pedersen, and Jeff Petrie is what your top four could look like. Then you fill that out with you still have Jan Ruda who you signed for three years, who which whatever the length I and money I don't really understand, but I think that's a serviceable guy who can play in your bottom yeah. in in your bottom pairing. Look at what he did in Tampa, and having a younger guy like Ty Smith there, and probably Pierre Olivier Joseph at some point yeah. playing some NHL games. Like it's not the worst thing in the world. It is extremely old. Yeah is you're right. Like you're spot on with that, but doesn't that fit the vibe of the Pittsburgh Penguins in they need win to win now? Yeah. The years are bust basically which, for the which Penguins, is, which is fair. Yeah. Like as long as you have Crosby, I, I don't want to see them ever taking like a step back under Sidney Cross should not happen. We need to uh, protect that man and the rest of his career at any cost. Okay, a few more things here. I don't know if we're going to have time to look at the free agents that are still out there, but yeah, Klingberg, Kadri, and everyone else, kind of whatever. Two big big ones. Yeah. Uh, Daryl Cates, we're waiting on more details about what's going on there. We will talk about it, though. Um, Not today, but we are going to talk about Daryl Cates when there's more out there Mm -hmm. Uh, because there's very minimal information out there right now. But uh, Owner of the Oilers. Yes, 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 yes. Um, pretty important, pretty important. We will talk about it, though. we will. Um, but to finish off, uh, very important here, we want to talk about the stuff that's going on with Hockey Canada. Uh, because since we last recorded, uh, my God, uh, the pressure not just from Canadian, the public, uh, media, politicians especially, on both, on not both – any side of the spectrum that you're part of or that those politicians are part of, uh, it's caused a bit of an earthquake when it comes to Hockey Canada. Uh, and the damage is getting worse and worse. More skeletons are coming out of the closet here. Uh, first, we're going to quickly go back to the 2018 World Junior Gala uh, allegation stuff before we go to the new thing, which is the 03 allegations. There's actually a few more things that have come out, but we can't cover all of that today. Um, and also Jake Vertanen's trial is actually going on right now as well. Um, okay. First off, uh, Hockey Canada and an open letter to Canadians mm, uh, have basically said they will be reopening the investigation into the alleged incident. Uh, apparently the survivor, the woman in this whole thing, if you want to exactly say, um, 
will be participating. I think her attorney confirmed to Rick Westhead. Good job, Rick, by the way. Love you. Doing a great job. Um, and apparently in this investigation, players will be required to participate or risk a lifetime ban from Hockey Canada activities. Not very specific, that exact thing. Um, and a little late to Hockey Canada. Um, on top of this, it has also come to light that Hockey Canada has or had a multi-million dollar fund it's been using to pay out settlements of alleged sexual assault. Now, these are funds from registration fees. So basically, for those of you who don't know, because Hockey Canada isn't simply, I run the Olympic teams, the world junior teams. They have fingers in that all over, like, hockey in Canada, including not, like, just junior, minor hockey. So if you have a daughter and you're going to go sign them up and you have to pay a registration fee, your do- your, the dollars you spend for your kid to play could be paying for one of these settlements. Uh, apparently they have since said that they're going to stop using that. Oh, and by the way, on top of this, they've been using this fee, avoiding their going to their insurance company. I do wonder, by the way, how their premiums are going to be affected after all of this, uh, especially now that they don't have any sponsors. Um, anyway, um, that's everything right now for that. Also on top of this, what we should mention, and this is from a Matthew, I'm not going to say his name right, so my apologies, Trevidich article at the Global News, London police will also be reopening their probe into the alleged sexual assault. Um, it comes two days after Steve Williams, London's police chief, announced an internal review of the force's initial investigation would be conducted to, quote, determine what, if any, additional investigation, uh, investigative avenues may exist. And the initial investigation, which wrapped up in February 2019, with no charges, was, quote, lengthy and detailed. Okay, before we move on to 2019. 2019? Sorry, yeah, sorry. Before we go to 2003 and that the newest allegations coming up, um, I do not understand how in the world Hockey Canada and anyone involved thought it was a good idea to not only avoid your insurance company, because then you put risking your premiums going up above the safety of people. Um, well, there's your answer. Registration fees? What a joke. Yeah, yes. but you have your answer within, the, within your question. What do you think is more? Okay. I don't agree with it. I'm not yeah. saying I agree with it, uh-huh. but- if you look at it from their perspective and how they were able to essentially in a way sweep these under the rug, let's not, it's not going to be public, whatever, uh, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's make sure what's step number two. Don't let your, ins- don't let the insurance see it. Like it makes from their perspective. I'm like, mm, makes sense. Complete slime ball move. hundred percent. But I I argue it makes sense from their perspective, the way they've been doing business, which is not correct at all. It's very tone deaf in my opinion, but I know what you mean, Alex, that again, we've said it before. I wouldn't expect anything less in a way, because, you know, listen, we, we talked about the culture. We talked about these things coming up and, I don't know. It's just, 
it's just adding another layer to things about and we i've said it before to you guys in other messages but for me at this point right now just i feel guilty for the amount of fandom the amount of references the amount of energy i've given the real juniors on this podcast it's 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 a part of almost being canadian you know what i mean like listen i wasn't born in this country but i've grown up here you know the world juniors are sort of like a, a it's a big deal new year's eve, like especially like new year's eve games and that for example or new year's games and and they're a tradition here and the sort of relationship that canadians have with hockey i mean people make a joke of it it's part of the DNA of this country. I, I don't know how, I, I, I think more and more about like, how the hell, where do Hockey Canada go? How do they as an organization exist after all of this? Because do you want to talk about that now? Week, do you want to talk about that, that now? Or do you want to go into 2003? Cause like, I, I think this is just, I think this is a, a extreme, uh, timeline of the deterioration of in my opinion the deterioration of how hockey canada has been run and and mm-hmm. not just on off the ice i think on the ice as well i think it's quite evident that the united states is is doing a much better job than hockey canada at the moment mm-hmm. i think there's certain programs in europe who are probably being run a lot better than hockey canada um, so like, I think all, everything from 2003 onwards, and I'm sure it goes before 2003 too. Um, but it's just the slow deterioration of hockey Canada. So do you want to do that to have that discussion now, or do you want to have that discussion after we talk about 2003? I'll mention 2003. So before okay. I do though, so I want to say at the time, Bob Nicholson was head of hockey Canada. Of going back to Which around year? 2003, going around around 2003, uh, he was ahead of it for a check. while, but and who is now part of the Oilers, and I think has legendarily been like one of the big sort of head honchos when it comes to hockey Canada. Uh, here it says Nicholson served as president and CEO of Hockey Canada from June 1st, 1998, until June 1st, 2014. Okay, so he would have been around around 2003. Okay, I'm going to read a bit from a Rick Westhead article here. Uh, Morning, it does contain references to sexual assault. Uh, Halifax police said they have opened a criminal investigation to sexual assault allegations related to the 2003 Canada World Juniors team. This isn't in the article here, but for anyone who's curious, uh, I believe there's only one active NHL player from this, and it's Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, I'm not saying it was Marc-Andre Fleury, but I'm saying for people wondering, um, everyone else I believe is retired and people like Carlo Coliacobo and Jordan Tutu have started putting out statements. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the book. I'm not going to do that. But anyway, continuing. Um, in a statement released to TSN on Friday, uh, Halifax Police Constable John McLeod wrote that his department received a report late Thursday related to a historical sexual assault that is alleged to have occurred in Halifax in 2003. Quote, it's not our practice to provide information in relation to individuals involved in investigations unless charges have been laid and sworn before the courts, McLeod wrote in an email. We take all matters of this nature very seriously and will be conducting a thorough investigation. 
Uh, earlier on Friday, Hockey Canada wrote a statement that two weeks ago it, quote, heard a rumor about, quote, something bad at the 2003 World Juniors. Uh, in order to learn more, Hockey Canada hired a third-party investigator to try and find out more information. The national governing body for hockey said it was unable to learn anything about the alleged incident before being contacted by TSN. Halifax was the uh, host, was the co-host city of the event. Quote, we believe the alleged incident from 2003 should be investigated by the authorities, and we urge the police to open investigation into the disturbing situation, Hockey Canada wrote in this statement. Hockey Canada will cooperate with the support the authorities, sorry, will cooperate with uh, and support the authorities in every way we can. And we once again urge anyone who have uh, who has relevant information about this alleged incident to contract, uh, contact Halifax police immediately. Uh, just moving on here. Uh, and these are just some of the details. Again, this is the sort of the part of it. Um, the player told the camera operator that viewers were about to see a, quote, bleeping Lambros, uh, the three sources said, after the hallway interview. The camera was then carried into a room with a pool table, the source said. Uh, the video shows roughly half a dozen players taking turns having sex with a woman who was non-responsive and laying face up on the, t- uh, on the pool table, sources said. Two sources said they have watched the video on a VHS tape in an uh, apartment in the spring of 2003. Um, The third source said that one of the players on the 2003 World Junior Team borrowed their video camera during the tournament in Halifax. The recording was on the camera when it was returned to them. The The person said they did not inform police about the recording and deleted the video from their camera after being pressured to do so by players. The source said they believe the copy of the video was made when the camera was not in their possession. And none of the three sources reported the video or police to Hockey Canada. Um, it, it's, it just feels, first off, it's rich to hear Hockey Canada sort of say, we support this investigation, people give it all support, hey, request, have what's going on. Because there was a thread, I don't know if you guys saw this, and I feel horrible, I can't remember the name of the, the person who put this out there. But someone basically put a thread out there that was alleged incidents involving group sexual assaults and allegations of that over the past couple of years. Um, and there's multiple of them. And it involves world junior teams, ECHL players, um, even an incident involving Nick Cousins. Um, and the reason I, I mentioned that is it's interesting to hear Hockey Canada mention it now. Full support here, guys. Let's go get them. Um, but nothing before that. I don't think I need to explain why that's interesting, but it's interesting nonetheless. Uh, and then here it is. Every sort of week now, and uh, th- there is more and more coming out, and I think we're going to continue to see more here. Um, I don't know how they survived this. I-, I don't know how it's... They obviously didn't mention how they were paying for it. Remember how all they said was, Oh, we didn't use any sponsorship money. No, we just used the 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 money of kids playing for our program from these parents and, and guardians to come play for us. We used that money. Oh, but we're not going to mention it until everyone brings it up. Oh, but we're not going to use it anymore. I can't. I can't. It's yeah. It's tough. I know that whatever we say, that it's not going to be enough because there's just so much at this point. Um, like again, for like a reassessment of things, just what 
I'm, I'm thinking about for this is because the 2003 team was when I was really little, that was the first team I did watch for the real juniors. And it's just, I don't know. It's just like what you've mentioned, like, you know, be part of that fabric of saying we're Canadian, we're watching the real juniors and everything. It's just this reassessment now of what we know more now about hockey culture. And even for me, looking back now, I was like, as a kid watching that, like just seeing what's on the ice of saying like, okay, that's the team. This is the people we cheer for. And suddenly we see everything coming out right now. And I don't know. It's, it's just way too much. Um, I'm not even like, it's just, it, the one thing that kind of irks me right now is that all of this is all coming out. We're talking about how the investigation is going. There's all these open letters and yet we're still seeing a bit of news about like, okay, what is the 23, the 2020, the 2023 real junior team going to look like? Like seeing those reports still too right now, I know that it's an ongoing thing and it's just, it's just a weird thing to think about. Did you guys see what happened? I think it was a few weeks ago uh, about the Reed Boucher stuff. Yeah. So he was sentenced for anyone who hasn't seen this sentence in closed court. Um, he, I don't think he has to register as a sex offender first off, which is, we talked about it before. And I would, again, it's a bit of gruesome detail, but I would encourage people if you can summon it to go look up the Reed Boucher stuff. Um, and what's interesting is in that article, it was sort of pointed out that it wasn't unusual that it took so long for the victim to come out and say, Hey there, um, this is what happened to me. Yeah. That's not a purely a hockey thing, by the way. Oh no, no. It's, yeah. Like that's it's reference. Gener- yeah. It, it, it all like, yeah, exactly. It's it, just the thing of, of, of victims of this stuff and, and how long it's, it, it can take some people to come forward with it. Um, and the reason I mentioned that is, is just because I was reading some of the stuff coming about like the Jake for and stuff. Um, and I just think of it like this and you know what, how everything with John Doe too and Kyle Beach coming out and like when, when eventually he came out into the public, cause it was cause of what happened with, with John Doe too. And, and the high school student who we don't, sorry, I think it was a, he was a college student. Sorry. I can't quite remember the details. And you, you start thinking of how much more can come out because people are, could I don't know if inspired is the right word, but can see what's happening and you know, they feel that they want justice or they want to share their story. Um, it's just something going through my mind just right now with everything care. Because um, it's just, I don't buy that. Can like, I'm not saying everyone in hockey Canada is, is I'm not saying everyone in that organization is evil, but I just don't believe the head of them right now really feel remorse and they mentioned it this is in the katie strang article in the athletic that there was recently a hockey canada gala tournament very recently where they had like kim st pierre and they honored um they honored Guy lafleur right about and they opened that by saying uh you know everything going on right now um i don't buy it and there's oh i don't buy it either they didn't show up to the their hearing properly prepared that was evidence that was evidence number one. And that was final evidence as to their uh, either understanding of the severity of the situation or care of the situation. The, the worst part too is um, yeah. Cause they, they, they had different answers about how many players participate in the investigation. And they're like, how do you not, how are you not that prepared? 
there's a detail at the end of that Katie Strang article too, where sort of saying normally at these events, sponsors have all this great alcohol open bar. And there was this little line I'm paraphrasing here. Go read the article, by the way. I think Dan Robson and uh, Ian Mendez are also involved in it about how extra purchase bar with only one complimentary cocktail to people there. And it just sort of made me, it made me laugh reading it because I'm like, that's what you deserve right now. That's what Hockey Canada deserves right now. Because if it's not being sponsored, it's probably out their own pocket right now. I, uh, I, I just, they're, they're evil. I don't know where they'd be, because this is going to be, if there is a sort of rebirth of Hockey Canada coming here, this is going to affect minor hockey across this country for a generation. Like, I, I, I can't stress, my brother was asking me last night, he's like, how is this going to affect the NHL? I'm like, forget about the NHL. This goes deeper than the NHL. And he's like, what do you think in hockey? And I'm like, 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 like they have, it's so difficult to explain to people how important and how far reaching hockey Canada are for this sport that means so much to this country and how badly, how disgusting, how evil these people are and how just insensitive they are and how, poorly they've handled this and just i hope we get as much details as possible i just hope we get so much of this and all of them never i got like here's the worst part too is like tom rennie was a freaking coach in this league a few years ago he worked for detroit and and bob nicholson who is also for his time there we've talked about before like all these previous cases that aren't super publicly known bob nicholson's gonna know about that and how much influence do we know that Bob Nicholson has? And he's at the head of the Oilers right now, who have the best player in the world, and a guy who can be the face of the league in that. And it's just, my my God, like, especially with, with, with looking at world junior teams, not everyone always makes it. But hell, like, a lot of those guys go on to be faces of the league. How deep does it go? How bad is hockey culture? We know it's pretty bad, but, like, having history – History of, of, of gang sexual assault allegations. How many times does that need to come to you to sort of knock people in the head and say, we need to change here? Give your heads a shake. How is this, that famous quote going on about that first hearing, what are we doing? What's happening here? Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, uh, Rick Westhead, uh, okay. I'm going to phrase it. In, in this way there we need to okay right now we're having a lot of conversations about the stories the 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 stories that are coming out and rightfully 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 so a hundred percent that's how the conversation keep that's how we truly understand what the situation at hand is here what we because what's happening is we're having a discussion of you know just how bad it is and you know we're we're having people say well it might not be that bad but it's and there's people saying well it's actually really really bad okay we need to also be having the discussion about how to fix the problem not eradicate it Rick Westhead, I think, had it per like I, I don't know if you guys listened to uh, the SDP episode with Rick Westhead. Uh, towards the end of the episode, I believe it was he he said 
you're not going to remove this from the world. Se- sexual assault, it's going to be here, mm. right? There's just bad people out there. There's bad, bad people out there. What we need to find a solution for is to hold people accountable and and obviously to the, and to the ex- most extent we can to make sure it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. We can't get rid of it. It just, you can't, it's not going to happen. We need what we need, whatever your political beliefs are like, because that's what it turns in. That's what these conversations end up turning into, right? When it comes to something like hockey, Canada, it's going to inevitably be inevitably come to that. You still need to hold people accountable. That doesn't, that's not removed from the equation. You need to hold, find ways to hold the people who are currently in power accountable and institute um, solutions to that. When these things happen over and over and over and over again, you have a solution to the problem Mm -hmm. instead of right now is there, or they have a solution to the problem. It's not good enough though. It's Mm -hmm. not actually a solution to the problem. It's a solution to, I don't know, protect themselves, I guess. Like, you're right. Like, I'm not entirely sure how Hockey Canada comes out of this either. Are they going to be Hockey Canada? Is it going to be, is it going to be something else? Like this, the, uh, there's going to be a hockey body that when this is all said and done, that this, I don't know what this is, what, when this is all said and done, there's going to be whether it's named hockey Canada or named Canada hockey, there's going to be something there, mm-hmm. but the, what we need to do instead of bickering over whether hockey Canada is bad or not, we, and like, we need to find a way to essentially be hockey. Canada needs to be transparent and hockey Canada needs to be held accountable. Those are the two biggest things that we need to figure out right now. Mm-hmm. And we haven't figured it out. We can, and and talking about the, and P, and I'm not saying we should stop talking to people who have gone through these, uh, gone through these um, horrible, horrible, horrible things. We need to keep talking about them, but we also need to be having the discussions of exactly what we were talking about. What is next for hockey Canada? Because what the pattern that has gone on, is not good enough. It's not. Mm-hmm. We need to find the solution to the problem, and we have not found it yet. And it's and bickering over this and that is not going to do anything. We all know it's bad. Mm-hmm. I think this is the most we've come together as a hockey community over something. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So instead, there's a problem here. Let's figure it out. Mm-hmm. Let's find the solution mm-hmm. where we can hold people accountable and we can make sure that they're transparent because I get it. It's a, it's a um, cheesy saying, but they get tax dollars, right? Yes. Like, it, like all, all of a sudden we don't care about like, why isn't that like, don't you think we should know, a lot more about what's going on in there than what's currently happening. I don't see why this is any different than where other tax dollars go. Don't we want to know that stuff? Aren't, aren't people, don't people care about that? 
uh, I don't know how they secret they 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 kept the secret multi million dollar fund quiet. That's a big thing about you talk about transparency. That's what we need to know. How does millions of dollars just sort of go like, ah, oh, hey, here you go. That like that's that's what's stunning to me. How do we not? I don't know what their annual like obviously what the operational budget of Hockey Canada is, but uh, no matter what, I want to know where millions of dollars are going. Like we're not talking about top secret information, like geopolit <laughs> top secret geopolitical information here. We're talking about things that are going on within. The, I mean, even like we're talking about things. I almost went on a tangent. We're talking about things that go on within the country in probably one of the most, if not the most popular thing in the country. Mm-hmm. Anything don't else? People, Sorry, you'll head up. No, Sorry. I'm like, just don't people care, care about that? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Anything else you want to add, Danny, before we wrap up? You guys really said a lot already. Um, lots, Sorry you know, a lot that. of reflection on what's going on. A lot more of the details are going to come out, especially, I think, the player names for the 2018 incident. Oh yeah. Um, so we'll just keep following this. But again, like for anyone listening, I apologize for the amount of energy I've given the real juniors on this podcast. Damn, you, you don't need to apologize. You, don't apologize. Just, you didn't. You you didn't know. You didn't. Uh, it's 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 um. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how exactly they're gonna go out you know, like a month's time at the World Juniors and be like, ah, here we go, guys. I, I, I'm very interested to see what they're going to do. Can I add one thing? Sure. I think it's important when this information comes, when all this information comes out, is to not overreact. And these are some horrible, horrible, horrible things that are going on. And I get it. Everyone's first reaction is going to be everyone should be fired, burn this thing to the ground. But that doesn't end up producing the best results. I think we need to, and, and the people in charge, not Hockey Canada, the people who are in charge of everything that's going on need to take a step back, absorb the information, figure out what the problem is here, like what the actual problem is here. Why are all these things happening? And how did they get away with it mm-hmm. and find the solution? Because if you just burn it down and try to build it up again, chances are, chances are probably not going to be the best quality of, of building. Mm-hmm. I th- yeah. That's what I'll add. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we can leave it there for today. Um, again, as we get more details and guys like Westhead and, and Strain come out more and more, um, then we'll keep talking about it. Um, until then, though, thank you for watching. Again, check out all the people covering that and then not all of it. Um, uh, don't let it go quiet just because it's the off season now, because it's just as important as if Nazem Gadri signs or anyone like that or any sort of trade. Uh, so we will see you next time, and thank you for listening.